the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. All right, 36 minutes after the hour. Good morning to you. Thanks again for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. I got to tell you, I've missed my buddy for the uh, last few weeks. We have not had an opportunity to talk to Congressman Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and now the former speaker designee. He's been a little bit preoccupied. Uh, you know, trying to help find a Speaker of the House of Representatives. And as he went through that process, um, we were watching very, very closely and looking forward to an opportunity to talk with him again. And that time has come. Let's welcome Congressman Jordan back to AM 1420, The Answer, as the uh, Republican-led uh, um, uh, House of Representatives continues to search for that elusive Speaker. Congressman, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob, and, and good to be back with you. And uh, I think we found one, and I think it's a, he's a good man, uh, Mike Johnson. I think that he'll be uh, sworn in as uh, Speaker of the House later this afternoon. So uh, Mike's, a, Mike's a member of our committee, great guy, um, solid Christian individual, um, just, just I think, going to do a, do, a, do a good job. So, um, But I think that's going to happen later today, so that's, that's good news for conference, good news for the Congress, and more importantly, I think good news for the country. Well, I want to talk about Mike Johnson in a moment. I want to go back to last week, though, if I could with you, because yeah. obviously a lot of people wanted to see you step up and become the speaker. You were willing to do it. Uh, you did not want this whole thing to happen. You voted in favor of keeping Kevin McCarthy. But when it happened, yep. you said we got to find the right person. Uh, a lot of people rallied behind you. Supporters of yours said that you were figuratively knifed by moderate members of the caucus or of the conference rather as kind of payback for Matt Gates leading this. You're tied closely with Matt Gates, obviously, but in removing McCarthy, this was payback. They were never going to support you because it would almost be like rewarding him and in a, in a sense rewarding you for what was done, not just to McCarthy, but also to Steve Scalise, who was the first speaker designee after a vote. Mm-hmm. What is your belief about why you couldn't get the votes you needed? Why the 19 grew to 25 holdouts? Well, I mean, there's probably a number of reasons. Uh, I think what what you just described maybe was was part of that. Um, you know, look, I thought it was wrong to to do what they did to Kevin McCarthy three weeks, uh, 22 days ago, I guess now. Uh, I thought Kevin was doing a, a good job in a tough situation, but uh, that happened. I was opposed to it when it did. I think there were some people who thought that you know, well, we we don't want those guys who I think many of those guys were supportive of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't want them to prevail. So I think that was part of it. But I also think we ran on a plan. We ran on a plan to actually change the way this the, the spending process is done here. And my attitude is if, if you don't first show some discipline in changing how we do discretionary spending, we're never going to have the discipline and the, and the, you know, the will to deal with the bigger mandatory spending problem that is driving the, the, the $33 trillion debt problem we currently have. And I think there were – in the end, there were a handful of appropriators who I think just were, were strongly no, and I think it was because they didn't like the idea that we were going to do a plan that, that I think would take us away from this inevitable omnibus, this big old ugly spending package we get every Christmas Eve thrown in our lap, typically by the Senate, 
where everything's in their earmarks, spending on all kinds of things. And frankly, they use our troops as the basis to carry all the other ridiculous spending that the American people, I don't think, really support. And so uh, we ran on that plan. I think there were some people who didn't like that plan, coupled with what, what you described. But nevertheless, my colleagues, I, 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 I value all my colleagues, and they have their reasons. And now it's time to get to work and, and help Mike Johnson and help, uh, help the American people. Um, I, I want to ask you one other question about your former candidacy for this. Um, people ask me on the air and privately as well, why would Jordan even want that job, particularly under the circumstances with the motion to vacate remaining at just one member as opposed to two-thirds of the of the majority, yeah. which is what I think it used to be. And I, my answer to them was I haven't talked to Congressman Jordan about this, but I don't think he, quote-unquote, wants the job. He's not a power-hungry guy. He was willing to accept the job because somebody has to do it and somebody has to unite the conference and, and to lead the House. That's how I felt about it. Was I, First of all, was I right? Did you really want it or were you just willing to serve? And secondly, why would you want to do such a thing where one unhappy member can do what Matt Gates did to Kevin McCarthy? Yeah, no, I think you're, you're exactly right. I didn't want the job. Uh, I, I in fact, I said I, the job. I got the job that I like. You know, I was I, I get to chair the Judiciary Committee. We we were in, we were in a deposition Monday where we learned so many valuable pieces of information from the U.S. Attorney from from the Western District of Pennsylvania, um, and we'll get into that I'm sure in, in later calls. But I ca- I sat there 22 so three weeks and one day ago that Tuesday night when when Speaker McCarthy told us after Mr. Gates had filed the motion after eight people had voted with all the Democrats to remove Kevin from from the speaker's job. And then we came to conference and he told us he wasn't going to try to seek it again. He was going to step down and not, not run for speaker again. And I came back to my office and two questions kept going through my mind. One, who has the potential to, 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 to unify our team? And then two, who, who can actually act, go out and help tell the country what we're doing and why it matters to them, why it matters to their family, their community, to their, to their business, and, and most importantly, why it matters to the country. And uh, not that I'm anything special, but I just like I kept running those two questions through my mind. And I said, you know, maybe I'm maybe I should maybe I should do this, even though I don't want to, uh, because maybe I can bring our team together. And that's why I ran and turned out I, I couldn't. Uh, we got close, but 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 we couldn't. And, and um, now we have Mike. And so we're uh, as I said, we're going to we're going to move forward with uh, with Speaker Johnson. And I think Michael do a do a fine job for the country. I'm glad to get that clarification from you, and I really appreciate that explanation. It's kind of how I viewed you because I remember what happened in January when they wanted to nominate you, and you did not want to do that. You wanted the jobs in the uh, uh, judiciary and so forth, and uh, I knew you were willing to serve, but it's not something you craved because you're not a power hungry individual. But let's talk now more about Mike Johnson. Um, he might be the guy who can do this. We I, I've been discussing with everybody. You know, conservative-minded guys like Byron Donalds, you know, other members of the Freedom Caucus might not be able to get the support of the moderates, and moderates aren't going to get the support of the the, uh, the Freedom Caucus and, and the more conservative hardliners on spending like you just described and other things. Tell me why Mike Johnson is the perfect mix. He, he's, he's just a solid conservative guy, constitutional lawyer, argued cases in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, Mike and his wife Kelly and Polly and I had the opportunity to travel. The last time we went to Israel was a few years ago, and four of us. Um, you know, he, he's, I think, has a, a breadth of experience um, and, and a knowledge of the law that I think is, is, you know, uniquely positions him. Plus, as you, as you point out, he's, he's one of those guys that I think can just can, can bring the team together, gets along, can listen to all sectors and, and, and factions, if you would, uh, of, our, of our Republican conference. I think he's an outstanding, outstanding guy, and, um, uh, you know, I support him 100%. 
and we're going to go to work for uh, for the for the American people. You know, the, the the way our Constitution works is that the Congress needs to be open to do the work for the for the for the people, and the Congress can't open until you get the Speaker of the House. And so here we are, and Mike's our guy, and let's uh, let's help him uh, let's help him get the job done as as just as strongly as we possibly can. Yeah, to, and as quickly as possibly <laughs> as possible as well, because like you said, there are a lot of decisions that have to be made that can't even be addressed. You talked great uh, in a great deal about spending a few moments ago. Let's talk about uh, Joe Biden's plan. For 105 billion dollars for uh, yeah. security and, and however it is he's phrasing, he found a way. You know, your colleague on the other in the other chamber, uh, but from Ohio, uh, Senator J.D. Vance came on this program the other day and said to me, "I cannot believe that the president of the United States used the awful attack on Israel to yeah. to to gin up support for another 60 billion dollars." For Ukraine, on top of the 113 billion that has already been sent to Ukraine, another 60 billion. He felt as though he could not make that request stand alone and win the support of the people in the Congress. Uh, so he tried to do this in, in Senator Vance's words on the backs of dead Israeli children. And I feel like that that as well. There's there's a hundred and five billion dollar outlay that I think is exorbitant. Uh, and I also think it's ill advised for a variety of reasons. What is your response to that? Once we get this considered by the once we get a speaker and you guys have to consider these types of things, yeah. what is your response to that? No, I think the senator's exactly right. Separate them out. Call the question. We, we need to help Israel. Uh, I, I think that is there's strong bipartisan support for helping our dearest and closest ally, the state of Israel, and what they've had to endure. Uh, and their operations, replenishing the munitions they need, replenishing their Iron Dome system so they can they can deal with as many of these crazy rockets coming from the terrorists as they can. So let's help Israel. Let's take a separate separate issue, separate question on Ukraine. But the two factors on Ukraine have not changed. We still don't know, do not know what the overall mission is, uh, what the objective is, what the goal is. And we don't have the inspector general in place to account for all the money that's already been sent there, the billions of dollars that's already been sent there for how that money has been allocated, spent, and used. So I think those are just two two keys. And again, it, that's 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 incumbent upon the commander in chief to lay out to the country what is the goal. Is it to drive Russia out of the eastern Donbass region? Is it to drive them out of Crimea, which they've had for nine years? And and how do we how do we measure all the money that's going there? How it's being spent? How it's being allocated? Is it actually used for whatever the goal happens to be? Those those are fundamental things that I think the, the taxpayers of this great country are entitled to know. Look, we want to stop. Russia. We don't want Russia expanding into into Europe. We get that, but but come on, we got to have those those things. I, I've been clear on that for for I don't know as long as this has been going on. We need answers to those two questions. Um, but separate them out. Help Israel right away, as soon as possible, uh, and then let's 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 deal with the the real questions on the on the Ukraine issue. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's exactly correct. And, and and let's bring this home now too, because in in that hundred and five billion dollar request that he announced uh there was 14 or 15 billion dollars to uh, beef up border security but when you look at the details of what beefing up border security first of all we don't need more uh border patrol agents if the border patrol agents aren't going to be allowed to patrol the border if they're just going to act as walmart greeters and say welcome in uh go over there give your name and then you're released into the country and we'll see you in 10 years for an asylum hearing what's the point of that it's not a money problem on the border it's a policy problem but that fifteen billion dollars is intended, it appears, to again facilitate the the quicker processing of more illegals coming into the country. And Congressman, before you answer, this is at a time where the Feds have said that Hamas and Hezbollah members Terrorists. are yeah. entering through the southern border. Terrorist watch list people are coming in at record numbers. We've never seen anything like it. Uh, we don't need more processors. 
What we need is one sentence. No money can be used to process any new migrants or allow them to be released in the country. That sentence right there, just like stop it. Stop it. That, that one sentence is what we've been advocating. You put in uh, one of these uh, key appropriation bills or some kind of continuing resolution if that's in fact what comes up. That's the kind of sentence we need to deal with the problem. It is a, it is a, that fundamental issue that has to be addressed. So there could be there could be some kind of a uh, you know back and forth in the legislative process where we get that language with some bill that the White House wants. That's probably a thing that happens in divided government that you could entertain, but certainly not just more money there. We released a report a week and a half ago, and that report said of the two point some million people that we've encountered, not the gotaways, but they once mm-hmm. encountered who come into the country since Joe Biden has been president. Guess how many of those individuals have been processed, went through the adjudication process? And been removed from the country out of two point some million, only six thousand, which tells you that there 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 is no effort whatsoever to find out who are legitimate asylum seekers. Who is it? It's simply you come to the country, you get released, and you get to stay for looks like forever. So that is the fundamental problem. They are not doing their job. So you have to go to that fundamental sentence: no money can be used to process or release into the country any new migrants. If you do that, then you stop the problem. So we talk about protecting American citizens. We talk about protecting the homeland. This, to me, is, um, you know, this is the bellwether here, the fact that they announced yesterday that 14 different times in the last week alone, U.S. troops in the U.S. troops, not IDF force, U.S. troops in the Middle East have been attacked, injuring 24 people over the last week. I submit to you, and this is what has me very angry this morning when I found this out, that when Donald Trump was president, there was enough strength and fear projected from the White House, from the American uh, administration, that they would never have thought of doing that. But they've got this corpse of a man being propped up behind a podium just going, don't, don't, don't. And they're attacking American troops, Congressman Jordan, in the Middle East right now, which means what we just talked about, they are not going to be afraid to attack within the interior of the United States, all because of the projected weakness of the current administration. No, weakness invites aggression from bad people. That is that is as fundamental as it gets, and that is the difference between what we currently see uh, from the Oval Office and what we saw with President Trump. It, you know, I, I, I've, we've talked about this many times. I remember a year and a half ago when when Russia first went into Ukraine, sec, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was doing an interview, and they asked him that fundamental question, would this have happened under President Trump? And he gave the best answer. He says, in short, I don't know, but I do know this. It didn't happen under President Trump. And that says it all. That that says it all. So yes, when 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 weakness is projected, bad people do bad things. Aggression comes from bad people, and it's it's that's just the, that's just human nature. Unfortunately, that's just the state of the of play with with bad actors around the world. And frankly, it's the same thing in our cities. When when you have weakness from the prosecutor's office about going after people who do bad things in neighborhoods and communities. You get more bad things happening in neighborhoods and communities because they know. I always say bad guys aren't totally stupid. They're just bad, and they're going to do bad things, and then they're not going to get prosecuted. Same thing applies on the world stage, I think, when it comes to foreign policy. Last thing for you, Congressman Jordan, and I really appreciate your time this morning. I know you've been uh, tied up, but uh, Israel has still not uh, launched that ground invasion into Gaza to root out Hamas, root and branch, to remove them from power and to stop them from taking the next uh, planning and carrying out the next attack on Israel. 
Um, Some people believe it's because the hostages are still being held and negotiations are underway. Others believe it's because Israel doesn't feel they have the full support of the United States because of Joe Biden's, uh, uh, you know, equivocating on this and saying, hey, we know you're mad, but don't be consumed by your rage where you make mistakes. He seems to be more concerned with collateral damage to Gazan Palestinians than he is with the already, uh, you know, carried out attack on the Israelis. Do you think that's why they're hesitating? I don't know. Um, it could be a combination of both. Um, in, in simple terms, I just don't know that we know. What I what I do know is this. I had the opportunity to speak to former Ambassador Friedman um, uh, a few weeks ago when this just this terrible stuff just started. Um, and he, he, he was clear then. He says, what Israel needs is the time, the space, and the resources to win and win decisively. So, because what always happens in these situations is that the, the terrorists do terrible things, Israel retaliates as they have every right to do and as they should, and then the world says, oh, now hold back. And, and, and what Israel's saying is, no, let us finish the job. Let us go get these bad guys and kill these terrorists who did these terrible things to our citizens and to our country. We need to make sure we allow that to happen and, and send just a, just a clear message. You go get the bad guys. That, that, is, that is key. And, and so maybe it is something to do with what the White House is saying. But what I know, and I think what, what Republicans certainly, and I think, frankly, a lot of Democrats know, is we need to let Israel win and win decisively and, and, and get these guys who did these terrible things. Well, and, and there's a reason why, uh, just a quick follow-up, why it's so important for us to stand behind them and say, go do what needs to be done, because the rest yep. of the international community is not. In fact, um, the Secretary General of the United Nations gave a speech suggesting that Israel had it coming. By saying Hamas, quote, did not happen, the attack did not happen in a vacuum, and, quote, Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. Congressman, if the U.N. and the rest of the, you know, the international community is siding with Hamas, there's no way Israel can possibly do what needs to be done, as you just described, without full unconditional support from the United States. We might be the only nation willing to offer it. Yeah, and and we need to to offer full, full, I mean, Total full support for the state of Israel. Uh, we get Mr. Johnson sworn in today as, as, as speaker. I think the first thing you're going to see is a resolution expressing our full support for the state of Israel, and then you're going to see that 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 supplemental spending package come up to help the state of Israel with what they need to do the job. And, and you're exactly right, Bob. We need to be behind them 110 percent. Um, and uh, I think you're going to see that from uh, from from our Congress and, and with our new speaker. I wish I was uh, addressing you this morning as Speaker of the House, uh, Jim Jordan, uh, but uh, I know you are interested in what's best for the people. So thank you for continuing to be Congressman and Chairman Jordan. Let's hope we get Mike Johnson done today so we can go back to leading this country. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I really appreciate you coming back on, sir. Thank you. You bet. Good to be back with you. Take care. Thank you. Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. He is not the Speaker. He was willing to be the Speaker. He did not crave the title of Speaker. He was willing to serve. I've been answering people like that on the air and off the air for two weeks now. Why would Jordan even want that job? It's a hell of a question. I don't think he did, but he was willing to do it. And now he is willing to back Mike Johnson all the way. Let's hope this gets done today. All right. Uh, we're going to get a timeout. I'm going to have some time for some phone calls. 216-901-0945, particularly after the top of the hour news. Make sure you stay here on Always Right Radio. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.